0: We have a special guest today. We've got Susanna James, who has got a fascinating approach to textile and design with a stunning website and it's a great video, which everybody should see. So we're going to have the link in the show notes. So welcome Susanna. It's great to have you with us.
1: Thank you. So nice to be here.
0: Okay. So I, of course, always start with my question of where did you meet your first alpaca <laughs> and how did it make you feel?
1: <laughs> um... <sighs> my memory's failing me here a little bit because I feel like alpacas have been part of my whole life forever um but I'm trying to think because I've I've worked with their fiber obviously for years in design but I'm I'm thinking the first time that really sticks out to me is this hilarious time where we did a photo shoot in a field of alpacas a few years ago um and yeah, it was it was just a hilarious experience of this very inquisitive herd of alpacas along with um in the same field as uh some geese, these amazing sort of boar-like pigs and some sheep and we were sort of trying to like distract them and have them not eat all of the knitwear collection that we were trying to (laughs) photograph
0: oh good Um, that sounds like a handful
1: yeah definitely definitely ended up with my partner being handed a bucket of feed by the farmer and running off in the other direction and being sort of followed by this stampede of animals (laughs) after him
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, that, that sounds like you ought to have had a video of that one. That would have been good. I know, right, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So a memorable experience Definitely anyway,
1: memorable. So. They're always memorable, aren't they? They've just got so much personality.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So in terms of the work you're now doing, the journey towards that began with some training in uh, textiles and, and fashion design. So where, where did that start?
1: Uh, I'm from Wales originally, um, so started sort of the normal route, did my art foundation year at an amazing um, little art school in Carmarthen and then went to University of Westminster where I did uh, fashion design for two years and then specialised in knitwear at Winchester School of Art. Yeah, so officially got my a bachelor's degree in uh, knitwear. So far more specific than I ever thought I'd have.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> not, and not just an enthusiasm or a, a think actually qualified in it. There yeah, we
1: absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> which, is, which is brilliant.
0: <laughs> yeah. I know one of the things that's really important to you is the whole question of traceability. Yes. And that's something that, that people are familiar with in relation to food in particular. Yeah. Uh, and sort of local produce and all that kind of stuff. But you've you've pursued that in relation to sourcing um the, the, the raw materials and the uh, for, for the work that you've been doing. So how how did that passion develop? What was the, the thing that, that triggered that thoughts?
1: Yeah, I think um I mean obviously with design based degrees, they're always based on this uh, pattern of of basically design to production and you're always producing something as you your sort of end to a project always ends with a finished item, and and that's obviously made of a certain amount of materials, and and that's where yeah, that's where it all began for me. Really, is just really analysing the the impact of this sort of constant turnaround of designing something and then creating it from materials which actually it was quite hard to find out everything I wanted to know about them um, in order to know if I was making an ethical choice and so yeah that's where it all began with traceability because I, I became quite obsessed with it really and just asking all of the questions that I wanted the answers to you know, in terms of like who actually made this, whose hands have been on this? How did they do it? How did they learn to do that? Where where are they? You know, what's their name? Who are their family? Um, what's their community like? Just all of these all of these questions. And without knowing the answers to those, it's impossible to to know if you're making an ethical choice. So yeah, it all started from that point really of of Knowing that you have to achieve that traceability of being able to answer those questions. And then once you have that, then you're off the starting block in terms of, yeah, making sure that you're making ethical and and sustainable choices.
0: Yeah. Oh, it's amazing! And the, the the thing with on the website where it talks about, and you, you actually follow the the, the the trail through, and and then the the book in mm-hmm. uh, electronic version as well. But the, the PDF of the book where, where you can actually see the steps and the people involved. Yes, uh, things. I think it's just a, a lovely approach to answering that question. Of, yeah. Where did this come from? Yeah. Is it? It. You know, is it something that was sustainable? Is it in terms of its origin? Yeah. Uh, and and fair trade and all those kind of things that the people engage with. Yeah. And this raises that as a question, and provides a, a lovely set of answers, which is very engaging. I think it's great having the stories of not just the the one thing, but multiple steps. Yeah, uh, they've, all, they've all got got stories to them, which is great. Yeah, really, really interesting.
1: Absolutely, I I love doing that, and that's probably one of my favorite things to do. Really, in in everything I do, is actually yeah, tracing everything back, and then really celebrating what's behind what what is behind you know, these cones of yarn which turn up in my studios and and all the people that have been involved with that and in my case my supply chain is so so short so it's not like this huge amount of people but obviously in in normal sort of mass produced textiles there's a incredibly complex and and long long chain of events and and chain of people that are included in that process and yeah i'm absolutely fascinated by it and in documenting it and and yeah telling that story really because each part of the process is, is vital and, yeah, has to be celebrated.
0: Yeah. At some point, I know, <laughs> you <laughs> went on a, on a trip to Peru. Yes. Um, so how, how did that come about? Was that something that you'd always wanted to do or do, what was the... The motivation behind that
1: yeah obviously with training in knitwear my primary material that i worked with was wool yeah as part of the sort of traceability angle i was just fascinated with um the sort of most authentic origins that i could find for each fiber i worked with so in terms of alpaca it was like oh okay so this is native to south america this is native to peru and peru is the largest exporter of of um, alpaca fiber in south america and I found a supplier, a really nice fair trade a supplier of alpaca fiber. And I was working with that fiber for a little while. And then the supplier shut down and I was like, right, okay, you know, I need to, I need to replace this, this fiber in my collection. And um, it sort of quickly became apparent that they were, there was not really any other options and and so I sort of did a bit of digging into why are there no more fair trade suppliers of alpaca in Peru and and what is the whole process there? And sort of through a, a chain of unexpected events, um, got in contact with a sort of artisan group, a group of indigenous textile producers in a village called Antauta in Peru, who I found out were producing handspun alpaca yarns and I was like great you know this sounds amazing um, I'm going to go there and I'll meet them and I will buy their beautiful handspun alpaca yarns and I'll pay them a fair price for it and I'll come home and I'll put them in my collection
0: and right.
1: it definitely was not as simple as that
0: <laughs> sort of ended up
1: being uh... just yeah that that was the very beginning of that of that whole journey, and um, yeah, it's going to be a long one, but it's it's been absolutely incredible since that point.
0: And and it's still a journey that you're in. I mean, obviously, the, we'll talk about the journey in a second in terms of the literal journey yes. to to Peru. But but it's something that you're still involved in. Uh, yeah, and still connected connected with them going forward. Yeah,
1: absolutely. It's it's pretty much the biggest part of my work now is collaborating with that group in Antauta and um, in sort of trying to. Um, yeah, make sure that we can work together in a really sustainable way and, and preserve the the skills and uh, talents that they have in, in working with textiles and, yeah, as it's such a backbone of their society, ensuring that, that, that it can stay that way and, and putting a really high value on it. And so, yeah, that's become my whole work at the moment.
0: Mm, excellent. Now, okay, so tell us about the literal journey – first first trip out there how how did that go
1: yeah so yeah it was in in 2016 I only had a week to spend there and basically yeah landed in Cusco just sort of the whole thing entirely out of my comfort zone I sort of had no idea no idea what I'd be getting into and and people would say to me before I left you oh you're really brave doing this on your own I'd be thinking like am I this is gonna be great there's absolutely gonna be nothing that could go wrong at all you know and, yeah, landed um, and just totally blown away, you know, by just, a, yeah, just totally different culture and totally different way of doing things. And then basically, yeah, spent a week there, spent a lot of time with Senor Lucio, who was my main contact for the group at the time, and traveled to Antauta. It's just a crazy journey, absolute crazy journey. It's about eight hours uh, southeast of Cusco. On a bus, and you go go. Uh, and
0: this is this isn't your average bus. This is not in, in Cardiff. No, <laughs> this is definitely not your average
1: bus. Um, yeah, I, I I will always remember. I think even if you ask me in like twenty years' time, you know, it was just one of the most memorable experiences of of life definitely so far and I think yeah I've I've never stuck out as so much of a sore thumb in my whole life I think we were all wondering on that bus you know how how on earth I'd ended up on that bus going across the Andes but it was it was just incredible you know and I think if anybody's interested in Peruvian culture, definitely get on that bus and do that journey because you'll learn a lot. You'll you'll learn an awful lot by the time you get off. But yeah, so, so it takes a whole day. They sort of give you this estimated journey time and it definitely does not work out like any sort of journey time in the UK. You know, it's like you go through all these winding villages and basically if people want to get on, they just bang on the side of the bus and run alongside it until they can get on. And the same that if you want to get off, (laughs) there's no stops, you know. They just get up from their seat and bang on the cab door till the bus stops and then get off. and, And you're looking outside thinking, where on earth are they going? There's nothing here. It's just like the mountain, you know. And they'll then trek from there to wherever they live. And yeah, it took a whole eight hours to get there, sat next to the. The, all of these women with their kids and their vegetables in their shawls behind them and um, right. yeah got to Juliaca, which is the nearest sort of main city to Antalta, and stayed there and, and went on from there in the morning.
0: Right. I'll tell you, what what kind of size... <laughs> It's up in the in the mountains. It's a small,
1: yeah, yeah, really small village. Four thousand meters above four thousand meters in altitude.
0: It's a long way up. That is a long way. Up. That
1: is a long way up. Yeah, had had to have a lot of cups of coca tea, and yeah, it was what I was really quite unwell actually. Um, the first time I went there, just you know, you don't. Before you've experienced altitude sickness, you just have no idea of what it what it is actually like. And I just totally underestimated it and thought it wasn't going to be a problem. And it, it definitely was. But I um, uh, learned the hard way there. But it's fine. You can, yeah, it's, it's fine for future trips. You can get it under control. Very small village. And we, so yeah, we left Huliaka in the morning. I was with Senor Lucio, and then I was also with um, a really lovely girl called Helen, who um, was from Cusco, but she was an English speaker and she was volunteering with with some sort of NGO at the time and offered to come and help and translate, which was vital. Yeah, my <laughs> Spanish would not have been good enough to get me through get me through that. So yeah, we set off from Juliaco. It was about another hour or two then to Antaota in the morning, and um, yeah, we got there. Lucia is greeted by this huge group of women. Um, It seems like the whole village is in his house, but then you find out they're just... The immediate family you know aunts um right. nieces, his mom, his sisters, and got a photo of them on that first trip, actually all of their all of them in a row, and it's Lucio with sort of eight or nine women, <laughs> <laughs> and so yeah, he's greeted like this total you know long lost son i i don't know how I don't know how often he manages to make the trip back actually um and so it was just so lovely, like I was just entirely welcomed into their family home. And, um, yeah, made me another cup of coca tea and sort of got my bearings for a few minutes and then we bundled into this Jeep to go and see their alpacas. Yeah, sort of turn off one of the, one of the roads in the village and just start driving off, off road into the mountains and there's just absolutely nothing for miles it's literally just the mountains covered in alpacas and this one tiny stone uh, shearing shed wow. and i'm just standing there you know like this is surreal 4 days ago i was on on my sofa in cardiff <laughs> you know just absolutely blown away by it and um, yeah they're like right we, we want to show you how we blade shear because we, we want to sort of show you how we do things and I'm like amazing right. so Lucio and his dad they sort of hop over this this stone wall There's this huge group of alpacas they're all looking at us you know like what is going on and they grab one bring him over the, the wall lay him down and then Lucio his dad his Lucio's brother and Lucio's sister Christina they all start um, shearing the alpaca all together it's just, right. <laughs> it's incredible. It's just, I, thought
0: you were, I thought you were going to say that they all held it down, no, but no, they all started sharing it. Yeah, wow. yeah,
1: it was absolutely incredible. Like just this, this, just this, yeah, the, the system was just, you couldn't fault it, you know, just absolutely seamless. And it, the whole thing took about a couple of minutes and I was just absolutely oh. amazed. And then the, yeah, the fiber was off in one sheet and they roll it into a bale and got the alpaca over the other side of the fence and. I'm just amazed at how absolutely tiny the alpaca is without his fiber on him anymore. Oh,
0: they they are, they are completely different animals. Yes, yeah. <laughs> so, when you're saying blade shearing, yes. what, what was what were they using?
1: I I didn't know much about shearing at the time. I still don't know as much as I'd like to, but um, um, I've got a few pictures actually. Maybe we can right. maybe we can add them in or something. But um, yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: Good this way. Yeah, 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 yeah,
1: absolutely amazing. And yeah, then they they stood there with this bale of fleece and and they wanted to you know have have pictures of it and and they they love it. You know, it's their whole sort of livelihood. Yeah, and then from there we went down to their mothers' club, which is where a group of the mums meet to spin and knit. And yeah, I I think mm. this is where I was just totally captured captured by it. I think that along alongside the amazing alpacas obviously, but but just just how incredible their skill is and how much they don't know how incredible it is. You know,
0: they're showing <laughs> it's just for them it's just very ordinary. Yeah.
1: It's just a part of life. You know, they, yeah. they learn it when they're like, I don't know, two, three years old, they start learning how to do the drop spindle spinning. Um, mm. and they've just got these skeins and skeins and skeins of alpaca fiber on the wall. And I'm looking at them unable to imagine just how long it would take me if I tried to <laughs> spin one of those skeins, you know,
0: <laughs> absolutely. and they're
1: just beautiful from, yeah, from their own alpaca fiber and, and in all the various different colors and, and they've got a few different weight. I was just, uh, yeah, just absolutely amazed. And that's when it sort of got a lot more complicated because it it was then from there, you know, how do, how do I engage with this and, and, and value their, um, their yarns that they're, that they're making and how long is it, is it taking them to make them? And they also had involvement with a larger sort of alpaca sourcing company. So yeah, it's been very complicated from from that point. But the journey now is is working with them continually to really establish that as a viable option for their livelihood because it's become so much more difficult for them for that to be their livelihood. And I I've just found it tragic to hear that the younger generation, a lot of them are having to move out of the community and one of the right. one of the only other industries there is mining, which obviously
0: just... Completely different, yeah. Which
1: just doesn't use any of these skills which they've grown up with and which are just absolutely like a backbone of their identity and backbone of their family life and their understanding of community and society. And to me, I was just like, this cannot be lost, this... Has to be preserved. Mm. There has to be a way of there being a high enough value on this that that it can continue to be their livelihood, and that is my that is my absolute sort of yeah.
0: Because actually, we we tend to think about things being very individual, yeah, in, in the UK, yeah, where it's it's my job, and and yeah, you, you, it's it goes into the pot of of a household, yeah. But it's not quite. The, where, whereas here, it's it's. The, the community, yeah, absolutely the, the, the village community, yeah, relies on 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 the group of yeah, people yeah. and what can be produced and yeah. what can be sold. So it has a big impact. If if it if it were to reduce and and sort of die out, yes. then it, it it isn't just affecting one person. No,
1: no way. Exactly, it's it's affecting you know like so much of Peru is actually these these rural communities, and the impact is is huge. If if this was to be lost. And sadly, it is being, you know, it is being lost. A lot of the communities already, even in Antalta, you know, in speaking more to the women last year, when we went out there, you know, it's like, how did you learn to knit? And and how did this become a big part of your life? And even in Antalta, it's like, oh, well, you know, it was like, my grandmother, or, you know, my great grandmother, but then we sort of didn't have it for a little while. And then somebody taught us again. And, and it's like, Okay, this is really on the edge of of it not being this backbone that it once was, and and the younger generation sort of not not understanding the the value of it. And yeah, that has to be that has to be preserved mm. in that community. It's just so incredible. Yeah, I can't so can't I, I, emphasize there's lots, enough. Lots
0: of strands of things th- that need to be to all come together to make it work and to, yeah. to help preserve. What, what's the biggest challenge that you've got? Do you think
1: at the moment? Um, I think the biggest challenge we did have, which I I think we've made already huge progress with, which was just amazing to see, is is actually their individual understanding of how valuable their skills were. I think because it's so normalized for them, it was very much like this doesn't really matter. This is, isn't is valued by our culture anymore and we can't make a living from this anymore. So actually it just doesn't matter if I can't do this or if if my kids don't know how to do that. And I think that was a huge challenge and it was quite sort of funny... With how important that mission had become to me in sort of speaking to people about it and people sort of being like, right, so it's it's absolutely vital, but they don't understand how vital it is, sort of thing. But I think with the with the training we did last year with Maki, who are an amazing NGO that I'd, I collaborated with, working with the women last year, we definitely made made a huge huge progress on that. And at the end, Natty, who is the lovely president of the group, she she sort of stood up and did this quite sort of emotional sort of speech and said you know we understand now how important this is and we're going to work really hard to be more organized as a community in in creating yarns and creating work and yes that was that was an incredible shift but I think now it's all of the the actual sort of logistics of working with them long term are a huge challenge and Financial situations are a huge bridge to cross in terms of gender role issues in the societies about women earning money, childcare, all of that sort of thing is is really, really, really complex. And I've been very hesitant to make a move in sort of fear of making the wrong one, because it's Mm. so important for, yeah, for their culture to be honoured but also to work within that in a way that can can progress each woman's livelihood in in her community and yeah that that is really 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 complex and so that's going to take a long while i think to yeah. to learn how how to go around that in the most respectful way
0: yes indeed yeah no is its it is it challenge there so yes. and I've, I've got I've got some um I've got some connections yes <laughs> sounds very grand <laughs> it? No, I, I know some people who are in Peru and, and involved in finance yes. and stuff and also involved in some community stuff so amazing uh, well, really good to, to 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 make some some cross links absolutely then in Can, absolutely um, have, have you back and we'll we'll pursue that yeah conversation that would be so further. good t- together with them I think that could be yeah absolutely be awesome. now the other day when I I was trying to speak to you. Oh no, no, not today, not today. She said because you you were cooking up cooking up some stuff on the wherever you cook it up. Uh, you were doing some dyeing. yes, yeah, um, which is good. So is that something that you you learnt when you were out there um, as to how they yeah they approach that? it
1: was incredible. Um, Yes, absolutely. So the community and in Antauta actually don't do much natural dyeing because the altitude is so high, they struggle to to grow the plants. Um, right. But the other um, cooperatives that I worked with, the Awamaki cooperatives, the altitude is a lot lower, so they have this amazing, amazing selection of natural plants and natural mordants as well which they used to dye their yarns right. and yeah it was absolutely incredible i did a couple of workshops with them and again again just the skill they have and their understanding of it on a conceptual level that's just integral to how they are like they they wouldn't have a language for it but they they know all about the pH modifiers of the dyes and and adding different ingredients to it which changes the colours. And so, yeah, I was with the Huyok Bajo Cooperative up just north of Oyente Tambo in October, and they showed showed us all of the plants which they use and then um the Puscarotico Cooperative who I get the hand spagnons from some of my products met those women which was just incredible and they did they showed me how to do their cochineal dyeing which is oh, right. um yeah, yeah. yeah obviously a famous it's everywhere seems yeah to be. famous yeah. peruvian it's a, it's a dye. Yeah, yeah absolutely um and it's just amazing they've got this incredible pot on top of this wood fire and they've got the cochineal, and they they you know if we were going to use it here, we'd grind it up or something. But they like mm. they put the bug on their on their thumb, and they sort of pop it to get the color out. And so yeah, they create the the pigment, and then um, they obviously have have the water and the yarns, and then they have a series of things which they add to it, so it, they can range. They can get up to twenty different colors from from the cochineal bug, really?
0: wow. and
1: um, yeah, they they sort of started and did did one at a time but on the same yarn so they would like lift the yarn out of the pot and it would be this incredible purple color and then they'd add something to the to the dye bath and put the yarn back in and bring it out and it would have totally changed color um so yeah it was incredible to see and that was a huge learning for me while I've been learning more about natural dyes and so yeah I'm I've been practicing recently
0: <laughs> right, but but not not with the cochineal bug.
1: No, with the cochineal <laughs> bugs. Yes, yeah, oh, right. yeah, as well. Okay. Yeah, oh. um, yeah. I've, I'm, I'm doing a sort of work in response to to the trip in October. Uh, yeah, I've been looking at the conversation between handmade textiles in Peru and and Wales as a sort of starting point of something i'm really interested in in terms of handmade handmade textiles in sort of worldwide cultures but um so i've i've done nettle which is obviously a wild wild plant here in wales so i've been nettle dyeing for about seven weeks now (laughs) (laughs) going to the park every week and collecting nettles and then i've got the cochineal from peru and yeah hoping to get hoping to get some lovely colors with both of them
0: Mm, interesting yeah Yeah, quite quite a range of so then you've got the yarn and you're able to get some to buy some and get get it back here. Yes, yeah, so um, to, to then to then work yeah, with. Yeah,
1: in the in the meantime of setting everything up with Antauta, because um, as I mentioned, the situation is quite complex and at the moment they sell yarn to one of the big companies and it's a question of, you know, how to tread carefully there. So in the meantime of that process I've I'm able to work with our Mackie's cooperative yarns. So, yeah, as I mentioned, they've got a few cooperatives there. Quite a few of them are spinning co-ops, so the drop spindle handspun alpaca. They are fair trade certified and they they do just absolutely incredible work in empowering the the women in those communities and yeah, just totally transforming those communities through the women's ability to to earn a living with with the textile skills, so just an incredible, incredible opportunity to support that work really with buying those yarns and using them in my work. I love it; it's my my favorite yarn to work with by far.
0: And then the end product what's the what are you doing with the yarn? So
1: I do do a few things with it, but the the main thing. Actually, that I'm sort of launching this year is actually a collaboration with the um, the spinning and the knitting community. So, in October, I went out there um, the same the same trip and collaborated with the Aramaki co-ops on creating a small collection of hats. So, there's two hats in the collection, and they're within Aramaki's range now for this year. So, that's with the design of mine, which I taught to the women a hand crochet design and yeah the women are then creating them with their hand spun yarn so that's super super exciting
0: mm. oh that sounds that's good and they're on the website
1: they're not yet they will they no, ah, will be
0: okay. um I, I saw some hats but not, not that, one. that okay. one
1: no it's obviously it's obviously tricky at the moment with shipping and things like that from from sure. peru but they will be they will be ready for
0: autumn yeah excellent just in time oh looking at today perhaps we need one yeah. today but it's it's the saf- the afternoon is going and tomorrow is going to be really hot so yeah, uh, yeah not hot, it's hot just weather that yet time, time of year <laughs> no no it's just that time of year but uh we yeah we go oh that's excellent oh, yeah. It's been so good to to catch up and and hear the process from the raw end. It's with the with the the blade cutting right way through, yeah, yeah. And just just hearing the the kind of thing because it's a totally different. Obviously, it's it's not quite the same thing as the way it's done here. I'm just about to do my my shearing in the next (laughs) week or so, but we won't be doing quite the same way. And just that that proving the the sustainable side of things and 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 the traceability yeah, through yeah. Uh, it's fascinating and, and obviously it makes a big difference to the culture there
1: absolutely absolutely
0: and uh, so that's 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 really good so we we'll include details in in the show notes of uh, of those organizations oh, lovely. And what, what's what's the best way for people contacting you
1: yeah mostly instagram yeah it's just my name on there Susanna james but also my website there's a there's a contact form on there and there's a sign up for the for the antelton it is sort of news and you can see all the pictures of the women on there from from october so that's quite nice if people want to put a face to the name
0: yeah <laughs> excellent Wonderful. Thank you. thank you so much for your time. Thanks for, oh, for telling us thanks
1: so much of for... the work
0: that you're doing. And we will be in touch again. Yes. And we'll we'll see if there are ways that we can can help and, and be involved as well. Okay.
1: Yeah. Oh, thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to talk about it. I just love it. And um yeah, it's so exciting
0: to be able to share it with people. Thanks, Rosanna. Bye for now.
1: Thank you. Bye.
0: This is the Alpaca Tribe. And I'm Steve Hetherington. Have a good day.